Burlap Podcast. Well, welcome back. My name is Paul Shenneman. I'm the host of the Burlap Podcast, and today uh, is a special treat. We have Drew Forsey. Did I say that right, Drew? It frozy, almost. Frozy. <laughs> I hacked it up anyway. We talked about this yeah. in advance, and I still hacked it, was it up, Drew. I'm so literally sorry. minutes ago. <laughs> That's quite all right. <laughs> well, Drew Frozy um, yeah, is there you with go. us this morning, and he's going to share with us uh, a little bit about himself. So we'll get to know him, and a little bit about what his passion is for helping churches reach millennials and, and his work in that. And so, Drew, just to kind of start us off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're at, and, and, and what you do, and, and specifically, what's your interest in reaching millennials with the gospel? Sure. Uh, well, thanks for having me. It's, it's great to just uh, be part of this and hopefully uh, provide what little I know uh, as a help out. Uh, to whoever's listening. Um, I'm over here in the Bay Area at a church called Westgate, and the Bay Area is one of the uh, most underchurched areas in the nation. And born and raised here, uh, I've got an awesome, beautiful wife and uh, four fantastic kids. And I've uh, been working at the, this church for 10 years, was a volunteer before that, and, and grew up at a church uh, just a few miles away. Had a great uh, experience in the church just with community and people loving Jesus and uh, and from there was uh, planning actually on being a high school art teacher and by God's uh, direct providence and, and by uh, just him saying this absolutely I'm not giving you a choice as to where I want you uh, began working at the church as a junior high pastor and uh, did that for about five or six years and then just a couple years ago, transitioned over into our college and young adults uh, age group, working with 18 to 28-year-olds. And the process of that and really the heart for that actually wasn't fully established until I got into the age group, uh, was offered to move into this age group and really spent time in prayer and saying, God, hey, what is it that you want me to do? And in that uh, he, again, provided the answer of, hey, I want you to move into this. And then getting into it, just uh, reading some books and, and studying this age group and, and realizing um, we are in a unique time, both here in the Bay Area and in the church in general, uh, to really speak into the lives of uh, a group of people that are um, – under-resourced oftentimes in the church, but over-resourced in life in terms of the time that they have sometimes and most time, especially post-college in the, in the finance and resources that they have, um, that this is, this is a great generation to speak into and to disciple and encourage. And so when the church gave me the opportunity um, to work with this age group and, and when I got into it and kind of started to study it and be like, oh, wow, like this is, this is, so, this is such a sweet time uh, in, in our world and, and in our culture to, to really use and encourage this group to, to uh, living out what Jesus has asked us to do. So that's a little bit about me. 
Yeah, and a little bit about your interest and why uh, reaching millennials with the gospel is important to you. Thanks for that. And uh, could you tell us a little bit about your context? Like, what's what's around the Westgate Church, and uh, is it close to campus communities for college campuses? Is it um, is it in kind of a um, a, a suburban neighborhood when you say the Bay Area. I've never been to the Bay Area, so just kind of help us get an imagination for what your context looks like. Yeah, so we're about a uh, 45-minute drive south of San Francisco, and we're okay. in San Jose, which is the heart of the Silicon Valley, which means uh, we got Google and Apple here, as well oh, as nice. tech tech out the wazoo. I mean, like, I mean, it's, it's the heart of the world of the tech industry. I, I just um, imagine which, that, that there are smartphones and tablets just getting rained down on people. Like, you get free swag everywhere you go. Is that true? Oh, is that, is that I true? Would, man, I would, if you find out where I can get the free stuff, that'd be great. Uh, <laughs> but, the, I mean, in terms of everybody being, uh, you know, smartphones, laptops, um, I was just talking to somebody the other day who, uh, one, of, one of our uh, young adults who went back to te- Texas, uh, where he lives, and uh, he was talking about Tesla. I don't know if you're familiar with Tesla, but electric vehicles are everywhere. And he said he went back to Texas, and they're like, don't ever get one of those, because if you ever come here, there's nowhere to charge your car. <laughs> and so, like, our contacts, like, char- car charging stations, yeah. I mean, they're available at a bunch of different places. Um, mm-hmm. So... <laughs> It's a, it's, a, it's a different world from a lot of the country, and with that, it's a very, very high-paced um, work-as-God type, uh, type of culture. And so um, kind of comparison to some of the other areas of our nation where uh, community is central, um, you know, kind of this idea of, family where we really live in a context where it's the dollar working hard. I mean, I I have Apple employees in our young adult groups and the expectation for them is, is not 45 hours. It's like 60 to 80 hours a week. Um, And so it's just, it's super high paced. And then particularly within the the college um, arena, we are uh, commuter college uh, we are around commuter colleges. So our, our nearest college is San Jose State, and then we have Santa Clara uh, University. And San Jose State is almost predominantly people commuting uh, to and from there. And Santa Clara, we have a large commuter base, and so there's not a strong campus present anywhere. We're also surrounded by a lot of junior colleges, which, again, is, is commuter. And so um, one of the unique things that we face is that um, going onto a campus and kind of rallying people around like a campus group uh, mm-hmm. is, has, has shown itself to be not very effective. In fact, I've talked to many different uh, churches in this area, and whatever campus group they have um, usually doesn't attract more than 30 or 40 people. And I, I went to uh, San Jose State, and as a, a God-loving, like wanting-to-be-connected type of person, there, there'd be these campus ministries that are out that I wouldn't engage in just because of um, I could find that at, at a local church and there wasn't really a central rally cry at any one of these campuses. So we're kind of unique in that to go to a campus and be like, hey, we are this crew. You should join us and be a part of this. People aren't really interested. They're interested in going to class, 
doing their work and going home. Yeah, yeah. So because of that context and, and the unique challenges that you face, um, are there some things that your church has done to reach millennials that that you see has, has worked? Now, I know that's a real pragmatic way to talk <laughs> about uh, the gospel, um, but that can mean whatever it needs to mean for you. So so what are some ways that you've seen your church reach millennials as a whole, and, and you'd say, this this has worked? And, and what have you learned from that? Yeah, there... So I would I would break that down in, into two uh, separate uh, ways of looking at things. One as our church as a, as a whole, and then two specifically as the college and young adults group. So the church as a whole, about uh, six seven years ago, we started a, a young adults group, and and it kind of just took off. There wasn't a lot of resources offered for the young adults um, in the church in in the South Bay and in San Jose area. And so it became really a magnet for all these young adults uh, at, at a bunch of different churches and, and really uh, became a rally cry and a great thing. And, and what ended up becoming that is it became a church plant of, of our church. And so after about three or four years, they said, hey, you know, we're getting a lot of momentum I think God's calling us to to do a church plant that focuses on young adults. And so we kind of launched that. And that was a really good thing. And uh, they're still, uh, you know, they're still thriving here in uh, San Jose. But what it did is it it led us to question to say, hey, if we keep on creating this rally cry that is, that it was almost the entire time an autonomous uh, organization of young adults, and if every you know three to four or five years we church plant them, then aren't we just hemorrhaging our, our young adults from the larger church body, right? Aren't we just creating yeah. their own group and then plant and plant? And then we look at our church in 20, 30 years, and um, we've got no, no backfill. We're not really pouring into that group within the larger uh, our church context. Um, so when I took over, one of the questions we asked is like, okay, how do we serve this uh, population in a way that boosts them not only to succeed in the, uh, the context of the young adults group, but in the context of a church as a whole so that there's longevity within the church. And so we've made a really, uh, a really specific effort in saying, how do we make sure that we are known as the college and young adults group of Westgate Church? And how do we make sure that our our college and young adults aren't just going to our young adult programming, but that they're participating in the life and the body of the church as a whole? And so those are some larger church efforts that I think has been really good in, in kind of connecting people. I might come for the community at the young adults group, but, but I'm realizing I'm part of a larger church body. And, uh, and then specifically within our young adults group, uh, what we've what we do on a regular basis is we make sure that our teaching and kind of our effort is really focused on equipping people to be the voice of God within their context because we have Apple employees we have Google employees and then we have first year junior college students and fourth year uh, UC students and so to go to any one of those places and say, okay, this is where we're going to try to attract people, we know it's not going to work, especially in, in the context of our fast-paced society, unless we have our 
college and young adult people who are living Jesus and loving Jesus and showing that to those that they are directly connected with that can then invite them into this community. And so our job and and kind of the way I see things is I want to help disciple people to be the personal connection to inviting people into a conversation and a connection with God that draws them then to our community meeting uh, in, in the midweek, and that community time is one where I, I, I beat the drum over and over with our young adults. Like, our expression of community is what's going to draw college and young adults to Christ. And, uh-huh. and I've, I'll say this over and over. If the first time they hear or see Christ is when I'm speaking on stage about Christ, we failed. And what I mean by that is that their opportunity to connect with people, to welcome them, to love them, to show them Christ's love in the community context is actually oftentimes greater than me getting up there and saying, oh, and by the way, here's what Jesus has done for you. Like, yes, we need that, but if they don't see that before they hear it, um, then, then we failed. And so those are some of the efforts that we've made to, to really engage that culture. Now, have you found that your efforts to equip uh, the, the folks in your young adult and college career age uh, uh, groups uh, to be disciple makers has been effective, or do you, do you feel like that has is something that's that's developing that you guys are, are working at, and you've you've had some successes and some failures in? Yeah, uh, more to the the second point we are we're actually this this new group that we started is only two years old and so uh, we are really uh, learning and and saying okay what do we do well we, we always ask what are we doing what are we doing not so good what are we doing good and what are we doing great and really a lot of times we focus on uh, obviously the not so good is easy to focus on but I right. like to call my leadership team to say what what is good that needs to be great. Like, let us not just say, oh, yeah, you know, it's good, but, but to look at kind of the heart of what we do and, and calling us uh, to that, to doing it in a great way. So uh, one of the things starting off in terms of disciple-making and, and what I thought would make um, a great college and young adults group actually reveals uh, the pride in my life that, that God continues to work on. But I thought, man, if we have great teaching and, then, and great worship and great community uh-huh. in that order, then we're just going to be, uh, you know, it's just going to rock and, and, and we're going to be <laughs> successful. And, yeah, again, yeah. that shows a little bit of my pride and, and how I hold the value of the gifts God's given me. And what I realize is really, um, one, I'm stupid and foolish to think that. But, two, the reason why alone. is because it, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, oh, let's just let's do this great program, and, and that's what's going to draw them. But what I realize is, and this actually happened within the first couple weeks of our meeting, is that that order is actually completely flipped. And uh, in a world that is disconnected and um, in a world where, like, our digital connection is like, oh, this, you know, people know me, that I think we all sit with the realization that we want deeper connection. 
And so that actually on the top of the list is really for us focusing on community and saying, as Christ has called us to unity, as Christ has call, called us to be this body that just shows great love, how are we creating a community that really loves one another? Because when people come in, if they want a great teacher, it's a click away on the Internet. You know, the best speakers, the best teachers are a click away. If they want great worship, they, we got Hillsong, we got a great group of, of musicians that provide great worship. What's missing in that that people want is that community experience of worship. And so, again, it, it just calls us back. And so one of the early visions that I cast was like, hey, here's what we're going to do programmatically to make sure that we're there. And I was like, that's – that." Uh, not to not focus on that being done well, but to say how are we creating and, and fostering this community of love and accountability um, with one another. And so that, that's one of the things early on that, that I realized. And then, I mean, we, we continue to, to fail and, and stink at stuff, and uh, I see each one of those as learning opportunities. Uh, just for example, uh, about a year ago, we decided to restructure our leadership team in order to offer uh, opportunities for people to serve in multiple ways. And so we said, okay, we're going to have a, a creative team, and we're going to have a setup team, and we're going to have a teardown team, and we're going to have like an artistic team. And so we wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to create all these teams so people would be like, oh, oh, that's me. I want to be a part of that. And what we found out from about a three-month experiment was that those people who were already in leadership ended up taking on more leadership responsibility, uh -huh. and so they ended up just getting burned out. Where I wanted to kind of distribute the leadership and the responsibilities, and so the leaders ended up leading more and taking on more responsibility, and then they were like, I can't handle this. And so uh, even within the last few months, leadership-wise, we've narrowed the focus and say, all right, what are, the, what are the two or three things that we're really going to focus on and really um, make sure that we're doing uh, really well? And some of that stuff is going to fall off onto the side. And I'd really like to do that, but it's not at the heart and the core of who we are. So that's, that's a couple of mistakes that, that we've made and learned from. And then I would say also specifically to the community aspect some of the, and this is kind of a recent thing that God's been working on my heart, some of this, the encouragement that I've been given our community in terms of loving people and, and making sure that we're welcoming and making sure we're following up with people, um, I've realized that some of that has really been motivated, honestly, just by uh, the opportunity of growth and not by a true, um, like, God-centered, God has given us Jesus. He's shown us his love. He's sacrificed himself. And this should be the primary reason for our, and motivation for our community and for our love. And so uh, kind of realizing that sometimes, a lot of times, I can get wrapped up in the opportunities of growth as my motivation and really calling back to, it's not the opportunities of growth that should motivate us. It's the opportunity to say, this is what Christ has done and what he's called me to, and because of what he's done, I can only live that out in, in a passion for him. 
be sure to follow along on Facebook or Twitter. And if you have some time, sign up for our free ebook on thinkburlap.com. And as always, make sure to uh, comment below or send us your comments on what you want to be talked about and addressed on these episodes of the Burlap Podcast. Mm-hmm.